God's word. Not Pastor Evans' word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Father, we thank you for this time that we have to fellowship around your word. We thank you that your word is a lamp unto our feet and it is a light unto our path. Your word gives us direction in life. It corrects us. It instructs us. It encourages us. And, Father, it exposes all the promises of God that are in Christ Jesus that he's died for us to have. As we hear the word today, I pray that everyone's heart is open and receptive to receive the engrafted word of truth that can change our lives. As I have decreased, I thank you for the anointing of God to teach your people that no one will leave this place spiritually unfed. They will hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to them. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated. We're currently teaching the series on how to have a better life. Say that with me. Say how to have a better life. And the goal is to help each one of us discover a better life by providing you with spiritual principles and practical steps on improving your life. It is not until better is desired that better becomes required. Today's message is a continuation of last week's message, which is understanding your adversary, part two. And the purpose of this teaching is to help you understand some of the major tactics that the enemy tries to use to keep us from experiencing a better life. Amen. I want you to turn your Bibles to John chapter 10, verse 10, John 10, 10. And while you're turning there, I saw a commercial recently on television and the commercial was talking about the percent of of knowledge uh, that children lose during the summertime of not going to school. I think it was like 20 to 25% that they actually forget by not being in a consistent learning environment. And, and uh, so often, uh, many times as believers, we use the summertime to skip out on church. But, but if it happens in the natural where you lose so much of what you learn, how much more in the spirit? And listen, the summertime is not a time that you want to lose spiritual momentum for your life. You know, I hate to see it, but I see it all the time where people uh, in the summer, it's, it's, it's great to go on vacation and that kind of thing. But when you consistently miss church, what happens is it causes you to slowly start backing up. And then by the time the fall comes back around and it's, you know, and most people come back to church in the fall. Man, some of the issues and problems that you used to deal with, you're dealing with them again because you lost your spiritual momentum. Amen. In John chapter 10, verse 10, a better life has been promised, but we must be aware of the pitfalls and negative perceptions that the enemy uses to cause us to self-sabotage. Now, uh, I, want you to, I want you to see it like this. God has promised us the better life. And in John chapter 10, verse 10, are you there? It says, the thief comes not before to what? Steal and to what? Kill and to what else? 
destroy. Jesus said, I am come that you might have what? Life and that they might have that life. How? More abundantly. So I need you to see here that the better life has been promised for us. But we must be aware of the pitfalls. Say pitfalls. The pitfalls and then the negative perceptions that the enemy uses to cause us to self-sabotage. And believe it or not, the devil can't stop us. We're the only ones that stop us. Amen. And I'm going to show you today, today that there are some strategies and tactics that he used specifically to keep us from gaining spiritual momentum. Now, if you'll notice now in John 10, 10, we can see that a better life is possible, but it can be derailed by the enemy if we allow it. So the word steal there, if you're taking notes, and if you can't take notes this morning, because I'm going to throw a lot of information at you, then just get the CD afterwards. The word steal there, when you look it up in the Greek, it means to take away. Now, if someone took something away from you that did not belong to them, what are they called? They're called a thief. And so I want you to just put in perspective. If you had a goal to know God more by the end of this year, that would be a good goal, wouldn't it? If that was a goal or a desire. Well, guess what? Your desire to know God can be taken away or stolen by who you fellowship with and who you hang out with. Now, write this down. 1 Corinthians 15.33. This is in a different translation. The King James says, uh, it says, bad company corrupts good manners. But in the, uh, this version, it says, don't let anyone deceive you. Associating with bad people will ruin decent people. In other words, one of the tactics of the devil is to keep you in bad company because keeping you in bad company will eventually ruin your spiritual life. Amen. How many, how many uh, used to drink? Let me see your hand. Okay. Uh, how many still drink? Let me see your hand. Okay. Now, how many you used to drink and then God delivered you from drinking and then you started hanging around people who, who drink and you started back drinking again? Let me see your hand. Okay, no. okay. some of y'all lying, but that's okay. You don't have to raise your hand. It's all good. You're not on camera. We don't see you in it at all. But see, here's the thing. One of the ways in which the devil can derail us from a better life is to keep us tied to or connected to negative influences. And so that's why you got to look at your life and see who you are hanging around because who you are hanging around are going to influence you spiritually. Now, the word kill there means to slay and to sacrifice. So when it said that the devil came to kill, steal, and destroy, the word kill there means to slay and to sacrifice. This is where now we allow our flesh to dominate us and lead us into sin. See, your flesh is the way the enemy causes us to live out what I thought life is like. In other words, uh, in James chapter, go to James 1. I didn't do this in the first service, but I'm going to do this in this service. Go to James chapter 1. Let me show you this scripture. James chapter 1. Because it's impossible to experience a better life in its fullest if we are consistently walking in sin. I thought I'd get a better amen, but that's okay. Amen, pastor. I'll say it myself. Amen. Uh, go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Look in verse 14. It says, look in verse 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I'm tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with what? 
evil, neither tempts he any man. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own, what? Lust and enticed. Watch this now. Then when lust has conceived, it brings forth what? Sin and sin, when it is finished, brings forth what? Death. Now, remember that it said the, the, the devil came to steal and to what? Kill and to destroy. So it just said here that when I walk according to the flesh, I, it, it kills my spiritual momentum. Now, sometimes we think that's physical death, which it could be that. But for the most part, it causes us, it causes us to lose spiritual momentum. That, see, listen, when you walk in the flesh, it decreases your confidence towards God. I mean, I mean, how, how many have ever messed up and then you didn't feel like you had the right to even ask God for something? You know, you know why? Because that, that's just condemnation. But see, we're not designed to walk in condemnation. The Bible says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But then it goes on to say, for those who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So when we walk in the flesh, it causes or causes us to feel condemned, even though we're not condemned because God doesn't condemn us. He only convicts us. Amen. Amen. So one of the ways in which the devil can derail us from a better life is to cause us to walk in the flesh. And you cannot consistently walk in the flesh and experience the full blessing of God. And then the third thing it says, kill, steal, and destroy. The word destroy means to perish, to lose, to put out of the way. Notice it says to put out of the way. And then to ruin. Say ruin. And one of the major ways that the enemy destroys us from having a better life is for us to be selfish. Or selfishness. So I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. Selfishness is the door to destruction. I can prove it to you. In, uh, uh, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 39, you can write this down. Uh, I tell you what, go there. Go to Matthew 10. Go to Matthew chapter 10. Let me show you this. I'm going to show you the word destroy that the word uh, uh, in John 10, 10. The word destroy. Let me show you this word destroy in a different English word. Go to Matthew chapter 10. Verse 39, let me show you this word destroy in a different English word. All right. It says in verse uh, 39, he that finds his life shall what? Lose it. The word lose is the same word destroy. So what Jesus was saying, he that finds his life shall destroy it. But he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. Now, I love this. Uh, this other translation, it says, if your first concern is to look after yourself, you will never find yourself. But if you forget about yourself and look to me, Jesus says, you will find both yourself and me. And so one of the things the enemy does, he causes us to just become selfish. And selfishness will eventually lead you down the path of destruction because God did not design any of us to be an island to ourselves. Amen. So the enemy's main goal is to make our lives miserable on earth while we're on our way to heaven. Now turn to, turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. Here's the point I want you to write down. In order to have a better life, we must understand that we have an enemy and we must understand the tactics that he has. We must understand who our enemy is and the tactics in which he used. You know, like one of them, like I said, was uh, who you hanging out with. See, some of y'all are sleeping with the enemy. 
Remember that movie, Sleeping With... Is that the name of the movie? Sleeping With the Enemy? Some of y'all sleeping with the enemy. See, anytime you're sleeping with people, you're not supposed to be sleeping with... Like, if you wake up in the morning and the person you're waking up to is not your husband or wife, you're sleeping with the enemy. Touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, I don't know who he's talking to, but I hope it ain't you. <laughs> First Peter chapter 5, look in verse 8. Are you there? Okay. Chapter, chapter 5, verse 8. It says this. Be what? Sober. Be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary... Which is who? The devil as a roaring lion. He's not a lion. He's as a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he what? He may devour. Now, there are eight things that I've discovered. I gave you three of them or four of them last week, but I really came up with eight areas in which the devil uh, uses devices against us. And here's the first one, pain and shame. Now, what is that? That's unresolved or past situations that hurt us and we have never taken the time to properly resolve them. See, pain is, is, see, we weren't, pain is actually good because it's designed to show you that something's wrong. Now, unfortunately, when you don't address pain and, and it consistently stays in your life and you don't address it, then somewhere in your life, something's going to get off kilter. Amen. And, and the devil will use shame. And shame is just something that you did in your past that he's blaming you and reminding you of right now. But see, uh, we were supposed to take communion, <laughs> which I may do it at the end. But communion, uh, Jesus said, do it in remembrance of me. Well, the blood of Jesus not, not only washes away your sins of the past, it washes away your sins for the present and it washes away sins you ain't even committed right now. But see, the devil will let shame come on you and make you feel bad about something that you did before. Listen, all you have to do when the devil reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. Amen. His future is hell. So when he tell you, mind you, see, you did this and this and that. See, you're going to hell. That's the only person I give you permission to tell them that they can go to hell. That's the only person. <laughs> the devil, that's it. Can't be telling other people that, that. That ain't good. All right, here's the second thing that he uses. It's perception and lies. This is information that we have chosen to believe that is not true or... That is exaggerated negative experiences. This is where the devil will use either something that really happened or an exaggerated negative experience. Here it is, you know, you got laid off from your job and you blaming it on your daddy that you didn't grow up with. Well, what does that have to do with you getting fired or laid off today? We, see, the devil, he's smart about exaggerating stuff. And that's why when you get into arguments when you're married, those two words always come up. You never, that's not true. You never tell me you love me. Well, they did to say, they had to say it one time, at least when they married you. You never, 
Listen, that's just an exaggerated negative experience. And he will use that against you. Here's the third thing he'll use against you. Perverted desires. Everybody say perverted desires. Now, these are needs in our life that we get met in an illegal, immoral, or ungodly way. See, God designed us to desire certain things. He designed us to to be sexual beings, but in the right context, though. See, David and Bathsheba, that was wrong. And see, in order to do wrong, I'm talking about now uh, 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 in a marriage context, and even those of you who are single who are doing wrong that shouldn't be doing wrong. See, the way for perverted desires to work, you got you to gotta learn how to manipulate. You know, you walk in the house. I heard this pastor uh, back in the day when he first got married and he wanted, to be, he wanted to be out of the house and he didn't want his wife to go with him. So he already had it planned. When he walked in the house, first thing he was going to say, he knew she was going to say, hey, how's it going, honey? And he was going to purposely not say nothing. And then she's going to ask him again, hey, honey, how you doing? He's going to purposely say what? Nothing. Because he knew what the next thing she was going to say. And that is, well, what's wrong, honey? Well, he already knew what to do then. Well, what's wrong with you? And the next thing you know, it will start an issue. And he said, well, I'm just going to leave so I can just cool off. Well, he wanted to get out of the house from the beginning. In other words, perverted desires will help you learn how to manipulate. And then once you learn how to manipulate, you got to lie while you're manipulating you know, uh, you supposed to come straight home, but you desire, you decided, you know, you, you know, wife thought that you stopped drinking. I'm talking to somebody right now. She thought you stopped drinking, but you actually been stopping by the liquor store before you come home. So what you did, you know, you don't answer the phone because if she said, well, where are you? You didn't want to say, well, I'm at the liquor store. So you just lie and say, well, I, oh, I left my phone in the car. Who am I talking to right now? And then once you learn how to lie, you got to cheat. Now, cheating involves a whole lot of stuff. I'm not just talking about cheating like on your taxes. I'm talking about even cheating on your spouse. When you cheat on your spouse, you got to do a lot of sneaking around. How many know what I'm talking about? And see, let me tell you what helps me. (laughs) Well, we got a confession booth up in here, don't we? (laughs) Just call me Priest Connor. (laughs) Let me tell you what's helped me in this area. Can I tell you what helped me in this area right here? I done already played out the whole scenario. See, sometimes you have to play out the scenario in your mind so you can know what the result's going to look like so you won't do it. So I've already played out the thing. Okay, what if I cheated on my wife? By the way, I've been married 15 years. I ain't cheated on my wife. So what if I just decided one day I was going to cheat on my wife? Well, first of all, that's not just a decision you make. That's a process. And I decided, you know, I'm going to cheat on her. Well, if I cheated on her, I got to now lie about it, you know, where I was and what I was doing. And then after I lie about it, then I think, okay, I know I'm going to get busted if I cheat. I know it. You know why? Because my my path is too narrow. My my face is on a billboard. I'm going to get busted. And if you don't think you're going to get busted, the scripture says a man's sin is going to find him out. Let me say this to you. If you ain't got busted, you better quit it. Why you you not busted? 
But, but I had already pictured in my mind, I'm going to get busted. Now, what's going to happen when I get busted? You know what that's going to do? That's going to mess up my marriage relationship with my wife. Then I got to figure out what I'm going to tell my kids. Okay, Landon is nine months old, but, but you know, let's say we, because we're we going to end up busting up, you know, if things don't work out. We gonna, we, we may, let's just say we bust up. Now I got to explain to my son why we ain't together. And, and, you know, I was counseling one of my men one time, and he was on the verge of cheating. And I said, listen, uh, uh, let's do this. Let's go through a little exercise. Why don't I, because he had a little boy. I said, why don't I be your son? And, and, and you play your role, which is a daddy. And I say, Daddy, why did you, why did you leave mommy? Oh, Pastor, this is what he said. Pastor, I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to go that far down the road. I said, but you're already on the road to going down there. So we might as well talk about it. What you going to say to your son? Daddy, what you going to, why would you leave mommy? So I already pictured that out. Man, I got to explain to my kids what, what happened. Then the bigger picture, all the influence over y'all's lives, what's going to happen right there. And see, once you're in a position like mine, even if I did it one time and got busted, it's going to look like I've been doing it the whole time. Because some of y'all going to be like, that man, I know he was lying the whole time. He's been cheating all this time. He wasn't really living right all this time. Well, guess what? I now just reverse all that because I ain't letting that happen. Because I don't want to go through all that. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not going to lose my influence for the kingdom just for somebody who might look good at the moment. And let me say this to you. Somebody's going to always look better than your spouse. I'm talking to somebody right now. Somebody's going to always look better than them. But see, when you get my age, it ain't about looks no more. Because see, <laughs> you lose that as age comes on you. Right. I mean, I, I know I'm growing to look better, but, you know, everybody ain't like that. You know, I'm 45. I'm, I think I'm growing to look better. You know, hey, what can I say? You know, I got a family youth at the house. But everybody, that's not. But see, somebody's going to always look. You just got to make up in your mind. I'm going to do the right thing. And so you can't let perverted desires trick you up. And all you got to do is just play the tape. Let the play. Let see what's going to do, what it's going to do to your life. And then say, nope, I ain't doing that. Then number three is people. The devil will use people. This is where we have elevated the trust of man over God. This is allowing the influences of man to override the principles of God. And this is why you as a single person can date somebody that ain't saved because you put that person over the principles of God. Amen. This is where you can, uh, you can uh, sit up and, 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 you know, back in the day we called it uh, get full. Y'all know what getting full is, right? How many know what getting full? Yeah. See, I'm 45, so. But this day, they call it wasted. That means getting drunk. That even sounds negative, though, don't it? Getting wasted. Well, at least I was sounded positive, getting full. It felt, um, <laughs> felt like I was hungry and I got enough, you know? Well, if you don't watch it, you will start compromising in what you believe because of who you're hanging out with. Then number five is a poor self-perception of yourself. How you see yourself will help you or hinder you from experiencing a better life. If you don't see yourself the way God does, then you're going to think that you're not worthy to receive the blessings from God. So you got to get who you see yourself as 
You got to get it straight. Because who you are is not what you do. No, 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 no. No, no. I am who God says I am. Amen. And then here's the, here's the number six. We use either offense. I use the word provoke so I can use all P's. And this is just where we carry around offenses. And offenses will never help you be uh, free in God. And, and even Jesus said, if you don't forgive others, you can't be forgiven. And so right down Proverbs twenty six twenty, it says, where no wood is, the fire goes out. So if you just will resolve some stuff. See, some of y'all got too much unresolved things going on in your life and the devil's using that. I mean, why is it that every time y'all have an argument, it's over the same thing? You know why it's over the same thing? Because you have not resolved that thing yet. Amen. Then number six, number seven, he uses pressure and problems. The Bible says be anxious for nothing. So listen, if you are a consistent worrier, you are letting the devil in. Because once worry starts, worry cannot take place without negative thoughts. Then number eight is he uses our profession or work to create stress in our lives. And in Luke chapter 10 verse 40, it talks about Martha and Mary and how Martha was so, the Bible says, cumbered about, which when you look it up, it means overburdened, to be distracted or overly occupied mentally. It also means to be driven. And so if we don't watch it, we'll let work stress us out. Now let me ask you something. What does you being stressed out for work have to do with God? I mean, you know, it's how many sometimes just want to take a break and you say, you know what? I don't want to be around nobody and do nothing. Let me see your hand. Yeah. But here's the thing. You know, we should never put God on the shelf. I mean, think about it. We only come to church once a week, right? So, you got six days to take off. If you really want to be off, just pick Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. But you don't want to take off on the Lord. Now, I am so glad that God don't take an off day on us. Aren't you glad? So let's, let me, I got, I got five minutes to talk about now how to overcome. Uh, and I'm not going to get through with it because I didn't finish in the first service. But how do we overcome these eight things that the devil uses? We're going to. Number one, overcoming by educating, saturating, and activating. Everybody say educating, educating. Saturating. saturating, activating. Now, in 2 Corinthians 2.11, it talks about that we need to not be ignorant of the devil's devices. Say devices. And the word devices there means mental perceptions. I'm about to get, y'all need to really listen to this part. The word devices means mental perceptions, thoughts, and purposes. So the devil... His devices are going to come in, in the mental realm because it means mental perceptions. So guess what? His, he can have a heyday in our life by using an unrenewed mind. That's why in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, And be not conformed to this world, but be renewed by, uh, 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 what do you say? Be not conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So if my mind is not being renewed, that's the devil's open door to come in and influence me in a negative way. So let me tell you why. The devil is spirit. You can't see him. Am I right? 
Okay, so let me show you why your unrenewed mind is his playground. Because thoughts are spirit. Okay, Jesus said the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So your words that come out of your mouth, they are spirit in nature. And they can either produce life or death for you. The Bible says life and death is in the power of the tongue. So watch this now. Words are spirit, but words are nothing but a verbal expression of my thoughts. Now, you can't see thoughts, so thoughts are in the spirit realm, and that's why the enemy's able to influence our thought life, because he's spirit. So if he enters in or comes to an unrenewed mind, he already knows I'm going to get them. Because if my mind is not regularly uh, being renewed, and see, renewal is a consistent process. You can't just learn the Bible one time and, and that be done with it. It's like, it's like eating. I said this is the first service. When you eat, let's say, you know, let's say I was hungry right now. And somebody, how many hungry right now? All y'all hungry. Y'all hungry? Hungry. We, we almost done anyway, so y'all can go home and eat. Okay, y'all hungry, right? That's like your body saying, well, you ate yesterday. Well, what you ate yesterday can't help you today. Well, what you read yesterday can't keep you only today. You got to keep renewing your mind. And see, renewing your mind is not permanent. It's something that has to continue to go. And so you got to educate yourself. How do you do that? You do it through knowing what God's word says about you and about your enemy and the power you have over him. In Luke chapter 4, go there and we'll stop right here. Go to Luke chapter 4. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this mess, man. I'll tell you. Uh, Luke chapter 4. Uh, last week, the first class was slow. And this week, uh, y'all done, y'all done. Go to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Listen, education starts with knowing what God's word says about our enemy and about the power we have over him. One of the ways in which you overcome the enemy with your education is that you got to learn the Bible. Jesus, on a regular basis, read the Bible. In Luke chapter 4, what verse did I tell you? Look in verse 16. It says, and when he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, that means a custom is something that you do on a regular basis, right? As his custom was, he went to church on the Sabbath day. And when he got there, what did he do? He stood up to read. Jesus read the word. Now, it wasn't in this form. It was in scrolls. But I wanted you to see that he educated himself about what God's word says. And I can prove it to you. So when the enemy shot that thought to him and says, you know what? If you're really the son of God, won't you turn this stone into bread? That was the thought that the devil sent him. But because his mind was renewed, he said, oh, devil, it is written. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Jesus was educated with God's word and that education is what helped him overcome the devil. In Isaiah 54, 17, it says no weapon formed against us shall prosper. So you got to already know that the devil is beat before you hit your feet. Amen. Luke chapter 10 verse 19 says, Behold, I give unto you power over serpents and over scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by enemies hurt you. In other words, you have power over the devil. He does not have power over you. You have power over him. And so, in 
to, to, you know, help ourselves in this education process, we have to arm ourselves with truth. Everybody say truth. See, truth is designed to dispel lies. See, I can, you know what? Sometimes when, when people talking to me, I, I know if they're telling me the truth or not. You know, some people call it discerning of spirits. I just call it, I just know. It's like your kids. See, I, I got heaven thinking I know everything that she's saying and thinking. And sometimes I do. I mean, the Lord will tell me something, you know, and I just, I just somehow I just know. Amen. We had someone uh, who stole from our church before and the Lord told me who it was. Amen. Why y'all looking like that? Y'all don't think people steal from the Lord? How many don't think people steal from the Lord? Let me see here. How many know people will steal from the Lord? Let me see here. How many of y'all are stealing from the Lord? Let me see here. I'm just messing with you. I'm just messing with you. Okay, guess what? I don't have any more time. But I'm going to cover now saturation next week. Saturation is where you got, and I got an illustration for you that I didn't bring, but I'm going to bring it next week. Because when you full of something, you can't, nothing else can come in. And some of you all are not full enough of the word. And that's why cussing is still in you. See, you can't cuss if the word's in you at a certain level. What's going to come out, what goes in, is what comes out. And so you got to saturate yourself. And then after you saturate yourself, I'm going to show you that there's a blessing that comes through activating what you learned. Amen. Did you learn anything today? All right. Now. Uh, with every head and every eye closed, everybody, everybody, by your head.